A few weeks ago, there was an article published in the Toronto Star that toyed with an interesting game plan. What if the Toronto Maple Leafs used two forwards and three defensemen? It got us thinking, first of all, could they pull it off? Secondly, could other teams do the same thing? And if this ends up becoming a theme that changes hockey today, how long will it last? Episode 246 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Before we uh, move on into our main topic and our breakdown of a collection of jerseys that were unveiled in the past week, a couple of housekeeping notes. First off, starting next week, which is coincidentally American Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Brett and I will be uh, going to uh, a bi-weekly recording format. So once every two weeks, uh, we'll record a new episode, um, not to limit when we record. It's just that uh, it's hella boring in the off-season where no news is happening. So um, like we usually do when it gets pretty boring in the off-season, we usually just uh, wind things down a little bit. And then when we get more hockey news and the season's about to get underway. Uh, the new season format's unveiled, big trades, signings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at that point, we'll get uh, more back into the swing of things. But we didn't really have an off season uh, during the summer. So uh, we're going to take uh, a little bit of time to just like decompress, like recharge the batteries a little bit. And um, then when things pick up again, we'll go back to the weekly format. But this is just a a temporary thing. So that's the first thing. Second of all, uh, we might have something in the works, a secret interview, if you will. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that front. And uh, in regards to today's main topic, we might have a follow-up topic uh, to that in the coming months, which we will also keep a secret. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, but that'll be probably uh, coming about in the new year, early stages of the new year. Uh, but uh, first, Brett, uh, we're going to talk about the reverse retros, and some of them much better than others. Yeah, I um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I mean, generally speaking, it's always. I feel like this is always, like this is kind of a cash grab, and it kind of makes sense considering, you know, the NHL postponed. A ton of games, and uh, there were no fans during the playoffs this year, so they kind of have to make some money somehow. So this is yeah. a way. This is certainly a way of doing that, um, and um, so it's interesting from that point of view. Um, and it, you know, it's just a way for us to talk about it for sure. But yeah, it seemed like a lot of teams didn't take a ton of effort into making these. It feels like so. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think the way that we're just going to do it is just we'll each talk about our favorites and then our least favorites. Um, and then we have one controversy that I feel like we should talk about. So in terms of favorites, I, I think we kind of have, I feel like this is just a general consensus. Um, so first off, I guess I'll go first here. (laughs) Yeah, re- go for it. Okay. I really like the the Arizona Kachina jerseys again. I like that they're bringing that back. I'm not... Yeah, it's totally yeah. weird. Totally yeah. love it. I love it, but I, I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on the purple, but maybe it's just one of those things that once I see it in action, maybe it'll be pretty cool, but we'll see. Um, Let's see here. Then Calgary's little like horse head with the flames. I always loved. Ah uh, yes, good yeah. old Blasty. Yeah. Depends on who you ask. Um, yeah. People love it. People hate it. I I don't know. I I feel like that's better than their actual logo. Believe it or not. But I kind of just I like the like little red and yellow lines with the black uniform here. So I like that. Um, my favorite though is the Colorado one uh, where they bring the Nordiques back. But I think I particularly like the little like sainthood things on the bottom. Of that the would be jersey. the fleur de lis, and oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure you've uh, pissed of off a lot of Quebec fans for calling it that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be pissed that Colorado's wearing it because I'm sure. Yeah, it's because of Colorado they don't have a team anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, the you could, same could be said for the Whalers in Carolina. Um, yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> like, uh, the Hartford people have even more of a um, gripe to be had. Whereas, like, at least for Quebec, they might have a chance at getting a team back, and it wasn't like, you know, Colorado turned out to be pretty good, but I feel like it's still fresh for Hartford fans. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it feels weird to like have Whalers jerseys or Quebec jerseys where you're like, wait, why are like, then if they are <laughs> allowing these, then why can't they just be back in the league or something? But so it does mm-hmm. bring back old bad memories, but I guess mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and they're good-looking yeah. jerseys, but they bring back bad memories of course, for of course. cities that don't have teams anymore. That's yeah. the only downside. Um, Dallas, I really like. Um, I don't know. It's just something very sim- simple with it, but I liked how they like have the outlines of a star within the uniform. It's just very cool like looking like that. Um, uh, I think it's a bit too plain. I think they could have done better. It's all okay. right, but I would I would buy the neon greens before I buy those. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess that that's fair, um, but I don't know. It's at least not the muterous. I'm glad true, they true, didn't bring true, that back. True, true, Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all of a sudden, my computer just froze on me, but that's okay. Um, I liked the um, Florida Panthers ones. Um, the, those ones were pretty cool. Yeah, honestly, um, better than the ones they have now. Yeah. And I also like uh, the gold trim that they added. Yeah, the that's gold trim nice. they have now, they put on the jerseys there. That was a nice touch. I like that. I will say, though, I feel like the logo is way too large on the uniform. So maybe <laughs> that, that's the only critique I have on it. But in general, I do like it. Um, okay. Oh, here it is. It's back here. Um, I like the Kings ones. Those are nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then probably my second favorite ones are the Rangers. Uh, just bringing back the Statue of Liberty jerseys. I wish yeah. they kept those just as the, like they made those into their new logo. That that was pretty nice. But yeah, I don't uh, know why they ever went away from those. I'm a big yeah, fan of that jersey. Exactly. And um, I think I have one more. Oh, let me look. Um, oh, Tampa. Um, I, I don't know. I, yep. I I guess I'm a big fan of that kind of blue color. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that looks really nice and it's kind of like a good, like it combines their old uniforms and what the uniforms that they have now. Cause I think they currently wear the blue and white stuff now, they but do. I, um, and then they just have the old logo. So I like that, but yeah, um, I really like the, the lightning ones. Those are nice. Mm-hmm. So who are your favorites? Uh, so my first, um, my first favorite is actually Buffalo. Um, they brought back the old alternate from the early two thousands back then it was a red base with like uh, a silver, white and black trim. Um, so that's what it looked like back in the early two thousands. Uh, when, when they went for, um, the rebranding and they didn't have, um, the gold and the Royal blue and stuff like that. Um, but I love the design of that alternate jersey, the cross swords, um, and the fact that they meshed it with the current uh, colors um, that they had when they first entered the NHL. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Top notch. Definitely would buy that. Uh, Carolina's Hartford jersey. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, you... uh, Colorado. Going um, with Colorado. I, it, it's and... a nice touch. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I was just going to say, like, on, but I mean, you could go. I was just go, thinking yeah. the, 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 mahogany, the mahogany instead of the red with the fleur-de-lis, or, um, or sorry, the fleur-de-lis was blue originally, sorry. Yeah. And and now the fleur-de-lis is, um, right. they, they got this uh, burgundy color right. uh, instead. That's that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a change up, but I think it still looks good. I will say that you could, I mean, Uh-oh. you said that you couldn't go wrong with the Carolina with Whalers. I mean, I'm sure people in Hartford would beg to differ on that, but yes. Yeah. It still looks crisp, though, and I don't think they ever did a green jersey, uh, a, a gray jersey, a light gray jersey when yeah, they were in Hartford. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's, yeah. it's still pretty respectable. Yeah. Uh, underrated jerseys, uh, I would say Columbus. 
Uh, love hmm. the CBJ that they went with when they first entered the league, even though yeah. uh, the front crest that they use now is is much better. But um, I, I like the style of the old jersey that they had and the fact that they incorporated it. They went with the red base yeah. uh, with uh, with the white shoulder patches. I love that. I don't know. Um, I I don't. I was ne- wasn't necessarily a fan of the red jerseys just because it's the blue jackets so it's just confusing i feel mm. like they should always be <laughs> blue and the same could be said for st louis so yeah true um it's it's different and i think they they pull it off rather nicely so it's 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 a bold change but i think it's a change that works uh, edmonton i, I would have liked to see you know remember uh, in the early 2000s when uh, they had um the metal gear oil drop yeah I would have liked to see him bring that back oh, that and incorporate nice, yeah. uh, the blue and the orange with that. Yeah, that would have been a that would have been a nice plan. Instead, they went with the safe route. Uh, uh, they could have gone with, um, I'm sure, much more interesting jersey design choices that probably wouldn't have gone over well. So that that's a safe pick. Yeah. Minnesota, Minnesota, I really love. Uh, the North Stars colors with their current design, I think it yeah, really goes cool. well. Montreal with the blue. I would 100% buy that, even as a Sens fan. I would <laughs> buy money to purchase that jersey. That looks very, very nice. The Islanders, I wish they went back with the Fishermen, but if you look at some of the alter- other alternates, yeah. their safe choice is still better than a lot of those. So I'll give them a pass there. Ottawa, it's meh. I don't really like that. Uh, but Tampa, you're right. I agree with that. Vancouver, the gradient fade they had yeah, with the, the red in the 90s. They incorporate with the green. It looks awesome. And finally, thank you, Washington Capitals, for the screaming eagle. I have been waiting for that moment. You did a good job. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not necessarily a fan of the reds, I guess. But at least for the Capitals, red is in their colors. So so that's okay. But I don't know. Um, It was also funny thinking of like the the Vegas Golden Knights because they've only been in the league for three years so they don't really have a retro jersey to begin with but um, those are there Um, as for least favorites um, Detroit and Anaheim are the two that really stand stand out to me yeah Um, Detroit is too plain Anaheim uh, not the retro that everyone was asking for right why couldn't they just con with the original Mighty Ducks? Yeah, apparently they I feel like I feel like they were just like the designers there were just like, all right, let's just add some like silver stripes and just call it a day. Like they didn't put any <laughs> effort into it at all. So that one, yeah. I was just like, well, what are yeah, you doing? Like, might as well not even make a lot a, of yeah. rich history. That yeah. that that was yeah. I, like you could have done more. Yeah, and, and then, then it was from ninety eight. It wasn't even from like nineteen forty. Right, like right. Nineteen ninety eight. Their jerseys had more flavor. Um, also, Anaheim. Um, like that one's just so confusing because it's like those those jerseys have been made fun of. Um, like for a long time now. It's like those mm-hmm. Burger King jerseys that L A used to have, or like I think St Louis used to have terrible ones too. But like that's up there as one of the worst jerseys. So why would you bring those back? That makes no sense. Um, and it's just like, I feel like any like player that wears it is just going to be disrespected or something. It's just like, imagine Ryan Getzlav trying to lead with, with that Jersey on. Like, that's the only one where I feel like, uh, like they made it so much worse. And like, they, they also had like really good ones with that, like leap foot, uh, duck uniform that they, I mean, I guess they currently have that one, but like, I feel like that one was a good one to have, or even just the script of the ducks if they wanted to actually go retro. But, like, why are you bringing the ones that, like, were, like, regarded as one of the worst worst uniforms in a long time? It doesn't make sense to me. But I guess balls out for them to to bring the Wild Wing jerseys back. That's what they're called. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I just I don't think, know. I, don't I like think it. we can all agree. We can all agree that... Toronto. Oh yeah, Toronto's another one. Oh, why? Just yeah. Like as a Sens fan, I have developed a dislike for the Leafs over the years. Can't beat them in the playoffs. Hate every single time they beat us. I would cringe at the thought of wearing any Leafs jersey at any given day. Yeah. 
if you paid me a million dollars to wear this outfit, I would refuse outright within two seconds. The front Maple Leaf crest is god awful, and the font on that crest is just yeah. as bad. It doesn't work. I don't even think Leafs fans would pay good harder I mean, money I don't to wear know. this. I, see, I feel terrible. like they will, but yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That one wasn't nice. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm not a big fan of the blues or the blue jackets using red instead of blue. It just doesn't make sense to me in my mind, so I don't like that one. Um, and then I, I forgot to mention, I like San Jose's uh, jerseys. Those ones are nice. I like the little like silvers and stuff. Um, and then, um, okay, uh, and before we get on to the Chicago controversy, uh, what... Do you, uh, did it, were there any that I missed that you also want to talk about? Um, Winnipeg using silver or gray as the, mm. the main base of their jersey. Um, I don't uh, know. I liked, I, I think, I found, I, I like those ones. If actually. they went with a different design entirely, at least it would have been different. But they, they took a jersey that everyone knows and loves and, I don't know if they just put graffiti on it. Like, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't make sense. So they, they could have done more there. Same with the Leafs. That's always disappointing more about the Leafs is, like, you have so much history. There yeah. are so much other options you could have chose as an alternate. There have been so many other alternates that I like better than the, whatever that is. I don't and know. I, I, I kind of like that one, actually. But I, I can see why people didn't like it. But I, I don't mind that one, actually. But... Yeah. I, I, I can I, see that one. Um, I, I think yeah. um, I think another jersey that um, that I'm probably not that big of a fan of, um, but don't don't hate with a burning passion as as, as much of the others is mm, uh, pro- probably probably Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Like they could have done better, but they didn't do terrible either. Like they're uh, they're they're all right jerseys, but I yeah. wish they could have done they could have done something more with their designs. I feel like Pittsburgh has worn those jerseys before. It feels like they those, have. Yeah, it feels like they've already like they didn't change anything about it. Um, I do like I do actually like the Phil, the Flyers, so I disagree with you on that one. But I feel like the Penguins could have done a little bit better, but I don't hate it either. Um, it's better than yeah. like the white penny, or sorry, the yellow penny jersey that oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, debuted oh, like horrible. a couple of years ago. That made those no sense. Worst. Those were the worst. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then um, I guess we should also talk about our two teams. Um, I I don't mind the the Bruins, but it's just um, I would have preferred the Pooh Bear ones. I I kind of I guess I'm one of the lone ones who love the Pooh Bears and maybe if you just I'm have like I'm sure Cam Neely yeah. would disagree with you yeah, right off the bat there but. I know uh, I guess so but um, I, I don't hate it but it's just I, I I think it's more my own bias where I feel like I would have liked the Pooh Bears not with the yellow but like with a white I, I think I was spoiled because I saw it on Twitter like a fan mocked it up where they had like the Pooh Bears with the white jerseys and I was like oh that that's something I would have bought um I'm not necessarily sure I would buy the the Bruins ones but I I mean I don't hate it either um and then the Senators I mean it's not bad it's okay um it's not great it's not terrible either so yeah the sense is exactly what I expected them to do yeah um because their entire wardrobe, they just changed to look more like the 1990s. Yeah. So we're just going to release a red one that looks exactly like that with black trim. That's right. basically what they did. Like, little effort there. And it, it doesn't matter what jersey they came up with. The red 2018 NHL 100 jersey that they debuted against Montreal outdoors at TD Place yeah. on a December evening, Saturday night that will remain the best red jersey they've ever worn on skates. Like, I have a Craig Anderson version of that. Love the silver O. I don't know why they moved away from that. Disappointed that they did. And this red jersey's all right, but, yeah. Again, they could have done better, but they they went the safe route. So, we're going to talk about the Blackhawks in a second, but I'm... 
So I guess the NHL tweeted this out a couple of days beforehand, but they're showing it like in retrospect of like all the original six teams and then the logos back in the old days of like what the logo looked like here. So I'm looking at it to go back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm seeing that like Toronto didn't change anything at all from what it used to look like. The only difference is that um, the logo slightly changed and it's a little bit, it's a lot bigger than what the, the Toronto Maple Leafs used to have. But like the white on the outside with the blue and the white stripe on the bottom, that remained the same. So that's that's interesting. Uh, but anyway, went with more yeah. of like a gray or white though. I, the yeah. white and the previous jersey, like in the seventies or whatever, because I think the seventies is what they were mostly yeah. going for. That that was more like plain white. This is more of like a darker shade of white. And yeah. the logo is is different um, than it has been, but uh, the logo sure. sometimes uh, has always changed. But again, whether you like it or not, they chose to show the front of the jersey. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's true. Um, and then, um, yeah, th- that takes us to this this next point because uh, so the way that the NHL unveiled their all all thirty one of these jerseys was they. They just did it on a Twitter thread. I think they also had an article too, but noticeably on the Twitter thread, the only team that didn't like you didn't see the front of was the Blackhawks, um, and um, and that's probably because when you look at it um, now, you see that like it it does look kind of racist. Um, like I know um, going to other sports, we have. Um, you know, the the Indians are now, uh, like, they just have Cleveland. They got rid of Chief Wahoo. Uh, the Washington football team is now the Washington football team. Um, they were forced to just change their name. Um, I think they're eventually going to change it to something else, but uh, they forced that. So I think this is a sign. It's not official yet, but I think this is a sign that the Blackhawks are probably going to have to change their logo. Um or, I mean, it's hard to do that for an original 16, but I think um, they're probably going to eventually, I think this is like the first sign that the NHL is trying to not um, let the the Blackhawks get away with it, even though they have been getting away with it for about 100 years now. So um, I think like in the past there was like, uh, I think people who defend the logo have been saying that, like, it's a way to honor all the, like, Blackhawks are, like, the war heroes, so it's a way to honor the Blackhawks, the Native American Blackhawks and stuff, but I feel like maybe there is a way to to do it without it being disrespectful, um, maybe, so I think, I think there, there could be a better logo, I think maybe... This isn't a sign and a speculation, of course, but I, I could see it happening where eventually the Blackhawks are going to have to change the logo. It's definitely going to be a pivotal movement because because yeah. um, because here's here's the thing: there have been there have been um, other sports leagues or like local sports teams that, in terms of like. Native American uh, logos or native logos in general. Uh, they kind of strayed away from that. They've kind of like rebranded their team um, into to something different. There are a lot of teams in terms of like local teams, in terms of um, junior teams, major junior A teams. For example, Portland Winterhawks, WHL right. team. They sure. have a logo similar to the Chicago Blackhawks. The CCHL's Blackfield Braves is another one. Um, there are probably local teams with that same logo. Um, I think uh, the St. Malo Warriors, um, they were a junior team in Manitoba. I can't remember what league they play in now, but I believe they had the Blackhawks logo as well. So if you get rid of that logo, a logo that, in my opinion, is... Just with, like, the color intricacies and everything, there's a lot of history. It's so recognizable, and it's beautiful, but it doesn't invoke the most positive image uh, for a lot of people. If you stray away from that, a lot of other teams that proudly display that logo 
I think have no choice but to think twice about their brand as well. Yeah. Because if the Blackhawks brand isn't safe, then I would say it would be safe to say any brand that strays within and within that realm is is kind of up for grabs. Like the Edmonton Eskimos, for example, they are the Edmonton football team. They didn't have a logo of an Eskimo. Their logo is two E's. <laughs> That's it. Their logo is yeah. two E's. And I mean, they I are could now see, the Edmonton yeah. football team. I mean, I could. I, I think the main driver of this force is just the, the Washington football team now. I don't even want to say what it was originally called. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we don't have to say because like, if you I, watch I NFL, you know what it was yeah, before. I, I think, I think because there was so much, like I like I mean recently, but I think there was so much like during the time we never thought that Dan Snyder, who's the owner of that team, like he has publicly said that he would never change the the team name and all that stuff, and then he eventually, I guess after all the Black Lives Matter movement, he eventually did. So, like, I could see it being, like, a, a cultural change throughout the league. It's, like, when you think that, like, oh, the Wa- if the Washington football team can change their name, then I, I think then we have to get rid of, like, the Cleveland Indians, who I, they got rid of that logo for a long time. Um, that's That was even more offensive than the Blackhawks logo. And to be fair, I think, like, the Blackhawks logo looks a little bit better than the the old um, uh, what football team logo or the old uh, Indians logo but um, but yeah I think there there's gonna come a day when there it's still offensive you know so um, I could see it happening um, eventually anyway yeah, so, and, yeah. And, and there's also before we before we get to the, yep. the main topic one last point I want to mention I also think there could be a potential scenario where if a big sponsor threatens to like end their deal with a corporation if they don't do such and such a thing right. that could also play a big role especially in the middle of a pandemic where this league needs to stay afloat financially however it can uh, the last thing it needs is sponsorship pulling out, and not to say that's exactly what led to this movement, but I think for if if this is getting in the way of future financial opportunities for the league, that's also something to consider as well because money talks. It's been that way for decades. It's not going to change anytime soon. Right. No, that that is a good point. Um, anyways, let's go to our main topic. Um, we talked more about the jerseys than I thought we would, but that's okay. Um, anyways, uh, so this, this was news that happened a couple of weeks ago, but I think we're going to talk about it now. Um, we, uh, so there was news reports that Sheldon or Toronto Maple Leafs were going to have this new strategy where, um, it's going to be instead of three forwards and two defensemen on the back. It's going to be three defensemen in the forward group and then two forwards in the back um, instead, which is kind of interesting, um, and it, it could change the whole league if this works, um, just the dynamic of the league it works, because if you, um, like an, an example of this is, I think back in uh, football history, going back to the NFL, um, it used to be where players would just run the ball, um, and that was it. But then they introduced this like forward pass where you could uh, you were allowed to pass the ball um, instead of just running the ball, which is kind of interesting now because now passing the ball is used even more than running the ball at times. So it's like it feels like this, if this move can work for the, the Maple Leafs, then. Um, it could be like something that a lot of teams could uh, use as a trend, kind of like what happened with the trap um, that the Devils used for a while. Like if this is actually what makes the Leafs finally win a cup, then we're going to see a lot of those kind of setups in in the future. However, uh, Sheldon Keefe has kind of backtracked a little bit and said that they probably we probably won't see this this season this upcoming season. Uh, whenever that is, but um, yeah, the will. I mean, we're still talking about it because it is kind of a fascinating topic to to discuss. 
Um, so my first question here is, do we think this will work? Well, uh, I'll give you a background on the plan because it actually wasn't uh, really conserved by Sheldon Keefe. It was, it was, um, it was an idea floated, and Sheldon Keefe was asked about that, and he said, "Not, not really a thought in my mind for this year." So I'll give you an uh, kind of like an illustration of what the plan is. Who came up with it? So the guy that posed this idea, his name is Jack Hahn, thirty-one years old. He's worked for both of Canada's Heritage NHL teams. He served as an assistant coach for the AHL's Toronto Marlies for three years. So he has worked with a lot of the team's promising prospects. I'm sure he knows some of their strengths, some of their limitations, yada, yada, yada. Things changed recently when the coaching change happened. Babcock goes out of Toronto. Sheldon Keefe, who is the AHL coach of the Toronto Marlies, takes over for Mike Babcock. Greg Moore is hired as the new coach of the AHL's Toronto Marlies, and he revamps the coaching staff. Jack Hahn, no longer part of said coaching staff, um, so he is more into the writing side of sports. And prior to that, he was a writer for the Montreal Canadiens website. Um, so he, he, knows a, he knows a thing or two about offensive schemes. Now, he feels pretty confident that at some point, Sheldon Keefe, who used to work alongside, could deploy an on-ice configuration that potentially challenges uh, the game of hockey and how we see the game. Um, he says he hasn't talked to Sheldon since writing about the concept, but he feels the likelihood of Sheldon Keefe using this concept is, is pretty high. And, uh, he goes on to illustrate that there was a time in soccer, an older sport than hockey, when teams pushed the majority of their players toward the opposing net, playing with as many as seven strikers. If you want to hear more or read more about this, uh, November 7th, Toronto Star posted an article that is the basis of this information that we're talking about here. So the article goes on. The notion that more players up front would lead to more scoring, while intuitive, didn't necessarily produce better offense. Yeah. The progressive coaches realized they were better off putting more players in the middle and the back of the attack to control play. And in recent history, there have been successful franchises that have won without employing a pure striker or with just one striker in the lineup. So uh, the article goes on, uh, very interesting, and uh, Jack Hahn explains that uh, um, the Leafs, with the amount of offensive forwards and offensive defensemen, they could use this two-forward, three-defense strategy pretty well. And he actually suggested instead of using a traditional third pairing on defense, why not dress seven defense and use that trio that would improve bottom of the lineup defensive play more often. And instead of using a traditional fourth line up front, why not assemble a fourth pair? Uh, so one example, he mentions Timothy Lilligren, Mac Hollowell, and Rasmus Sandin at the back. And you use one of, or someone similar to a Joe Thornton, an Alexander Kerfoot, or a Jimmy VC up front. Right. And he explains that those four to five minutes of ice time, typically very little happens on the ice. It minimizes the chances of having a defensive breakdown, while at the same time, the nature of those players could allow you to create some plays. Right. So it's something that he feels would uh, be worth experimenting. And his forward pairs would go like this. Matthews and Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Kerfoot, Spezza, Thornton, Robertson, and with the ninth forward, you could have someone like Wayne Simmons, Jimmy VC, Travis Boyd, Alex Barabanov. His defense trios would go like this. Morgan Riley, Travis Dermott, TJ Brody as the top trio. The next trio, Timothy Lilligren, Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall. The third trio, Martin Marinson, Rasmus Sandin, Mac Hollowell. Your 10th defender would be Zach Bogosian, Kali Rosen, one of those two. So he feels that this could work out pretty well. I think it could, especially for a team that pays three big name forwards a lot of money. Right. And by a lot of money, I mean 10 plus million per for the next four to five years. You're kind of like cash strapped. And especially in a league where the cap is already restricted to which guys you can keep. It's going to be flat for the next two years, which limits your ability to improve your team further. You already parted ways with Kasperi Kapnan, with 
Andreas Johnson. You didn't re-sign uh, Cody Cece. You didn't re-sign Tyson Berry. So that's two forwards, two defense that aren't returning to your lineup. And you still look pretty darn good. If you implement this new style and you're still able to create offense and it adds a whole other layer of predictability to your offense, why wouldn't you use that? In yeah. a league where money is tight and there's so little to improve your team, the best way to give your team an advantage over the other is to do something that no one else is doing, no one knows what to expect, because this is a game plan we haven't seen before. It hasn't been really tested on an ice surface. So no one knows what the three defense are going to do, what the two forwards are going to do. Yeah. And there's also different variations. Like you could have a big hulky defenseman in front of the net causing a screen, or you could have a forward with a quick, hard shot, letting shots go from the point, And you have very skilled guys, forwards or defense in front of the net waiting for rebounds. Right. So there's a lot of different versions, variations of this attack that you could use to deceive the other team. So yeah. I definitely think they could pull it off. They could make it work. But you need time to develop this plan. Yeah, I think what like the fact that this is going to be a shortened season kind of limits their experimentation. But I do... Especially when they don't have much time to practice it. Exactly, that's on their what I'm own saying. Time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess they could still practice it right now, maybe. But um, yeah, you're right. Depends on the restrictions, though, with COVID and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a good point, I guess. But I mean, I don't. I feel like t for Toronto at least, like they're not making too many roster changes, so maybe they'll they'll like, you know, they can group up and try to try this out, um, even before they even really need to. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think um, so. Maybe we won't see this in the league, but yeah, it kind of. I think. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of like just thinking outside the box. It's like, you know, when you really think about it, like, you know, what's to say that like any defenseman could be a forward, or what what's to say that a forward could be a defenseman? And you kind of, you know, like you could theoretically just have all five forwards, um, you know, with like two defensemen that, you know, just having the defenseman be a forward spot or something. Like you could just change the whole dynamic of everything. I mean, in a way, like during uh, power plays, you have one. Usually, you have one defenseman um, as like the as one of the five instead of having two defensemen. So, um, so yeah, I could see this kind of like working out. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like some teams might not <laughs> be great at it. But we'll see. I I think this could work out. But of course, it's just something that you have to experiment with like it kind of reminds me of, I hate to always bring it back to football but like if you remember there was like a time when it's called it was called the wildcat formation where like the yeah. running back would get the snap instead of the quarterback um it worked for a, like about a season and a half and then it kind of stopped because I guess defenses were able to um understand what it was going on um which is kind of like unlike the trap where it's like you can do it but you just need like the capability like you could still win with the trap um like the devils did so i don't know if it necessarily will like break the curse that the leaps leaves have but i could see this changing the way that nhl teams do things and handle them for for a long time um just because like you know you could just make this up as as you go this kind of brings into my next question here is what teams that could pull this off and why. And almost immediately I was thinking the Sharks could pull this off because um, Eric Carlson and Brett Burns are kind of already uh, forwards. Um, so they they would definitely be the ones that would benefit. The Sharks would definitely be the ones that could benefit the most out of this just because you already have like the two best offensive defensemen in the league. And then you just make them forwards and, you know, you can go and add it into the fact that Brent Burns used to be a forward. Um, that would be something that I, I, I think the Sharks could actually seriously consider doing that. Um, I have a, a list of a couple of other teams, so I guess I'll just list them off here. Yeah. Um, so I, w I was just on that same kind of thought process. I was thinking of other teams that have a lot of good offensive defensemen. Um, so I was thinking the Golden Knights with Theodore and Petrangelo 
Also, you have like Mark Stone on the back end, who's a, you know pretty good defensive forward as well. Uh, the Blues with Krug and Pareko. I know Pareko's maybe not necessarily an offensive defenseman, but um, he has his moments at times to score. Uh, the Stars with Heiskanen and Klingberg. The Flyers with Provorov and Ghost Bear. Maybe this will add more value to Ghost Bear for the moment. Um, the Penguins with Latang and Marino. It would also be interesting to see how Crosby and Malkin do on the back end of things. Uh, that would be kind of fun. Um, Truba and Fo- Adam Fox for the Rangers. Um, and then for the reverse idea, I think it would be kind of interesting to see Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak as defensemen, considering the fact that Bergeron, at least for Bergeron and Marchand, they're both considered like the best defensive forwards in the game. So I would wonder what would happen if they they actually were forced to focus more on the defensive side of things. So kind of like the reverse of every, every other team that I mentioned. Um, and then like McAvoy and Grizzlick up front would be interesting. I don't know if it would be as good as the other teams that I just mentioned, but that would be pretty cool. And then the same goes for the Capitals. Um, it would just be interesting to have John Carlson up front, and then you have Ovechkin in the back. Um, would be uh, kind of interesting uh, for that because you know Ovechkin has one of the hardest shots. But like if you have like if also like the distance if you if he shoots it long distance, it would be interesting to see if it if goalies could stop that or not. Um, so I don't know. But um, yeah, those were those were my list of teams that I thought would be interesting. You pointed to a lot of interesting teams, and it's interesting because how often are they going to use this? Are you going to implement right. it as a mainstay, a staple in your attack, the way you play the game, or are you just going to use it on the power play? Because a lot right. of those teams you just mentioned, I could definitely see them using it on the power play. I don't think they have the resources to make it an even strength thing, but I do think yeah, there are teams point. that could do that. There are teams, and you mentioned a few, St. Louis could do it. Vegas could do it because, um, like, uh, St. Louis, they also have Dunn, who's an RFA. Yeah. They have Paranovich in the system. They have Justin Falk. Yeah. Um, and they also have a lot of talented forwards like O'Reilly, who's a good two-way guy, Braden Shen, David Perron, Robbie Thomas. Tarasenko, yeah. when healthy, is very good. Jaden Schwartz, uh, Zach Sanford, Sammy Blay, those kind of guys. Um, uh, uh, two other t- teams that I thought – for for long range could be pretty good carolina and colorado oh yeah because with carolina you have slavin you have hamilton brady shea brett pesce jake gardner if he resigns sammy vatten and you also have aiden Fleury and jake bean up and coming uh and then you look at their forwards and they just have so much power and just the way they move the puck the the way they dictate the play um, I can definitely see them being suited for this two forward three defense because they have the resources on both sides. Colorado, enough said with their offense, yeah. the amount of defensive depth, which is even better now that they have guys like uh, Brandon Sod in the mix um, up front. You also have Devin Taves uh, helping things out on the back end. You have Bowen Byram in the system, Jacob McDonald, who had a good AHL season that could uh, provide a lot there. Um and, like, if you look at Gabriel Landeskog, the, the gritty game that he plays as well, I think yeah. he could be someone that um, could be, be utilized on the back end as well. Sure. Um, so I think Colorado has the resources. Um, in a couple of years, I can see teams like Tampa, because uh, I don't know if they have the defensive resources to do it um, for, like, a, a third trio. Um, same with Philadelphia, but in a couple of years with guys like Cam York, maybe Philip Myers is more established uh, than um, there's Ghost Bear, but he's on the trade block and you have Eric Gustafson that has potential. So they could be a wild card, too. Right. Um, so so there there are some wild card teams like that 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 could be lethal and could implement this and have success. Um, but I, I think in the grand scheme of things, Teams are more focused on the team game, which is uh, another reason why Shelling Keefe isn't ready to implement it. Because in mid July, when the Leafs were preparing for their series against Columbus, they were focused on team defense, not new strategies. And the reality of the situation is for Shelling Keefe, I'm here to win a Stanley Cup. I know that with this 
group of contracts surrounded by these big contracts. There's a shelf life on this. I got to take advantage of it. I can't be wasting time looking at a formula that may not even have a 50-50 chance of working out. So I got to stick with the guys that I know and what I know that I have. So the other question is going to be, okay, I have this formula. Do I, what do I want the defense to do? What do I want the forwards to do? Do I have the big forwards to get this done? Or do I need the small skilled forwards? Do I need the big defensemen or the small skilled defensemen? What are, what is everyone going to do? How's the team chemistry going to look? And that's going to be ultimately the big thing. It's going to be, what do I need to make this work? Do I have the resources? And if it's a no for even one of these, I don't think this formula is going to like really achieve its full potential. So yeah. none none of us really know what this game-changing shelf life uh, is going to be for this plan, yeah. how often it's going to be used, who is going to use it. But I do think at some point within the next three years, there will be a team that at least once tries this new formula to in the hopes of gaining an advantage over the other team because you look at the way vegas plays the game with its hard aggressive forecheck it's hard aggressive back check carolina's a lot like the same way not too many teams can handle that yeah so if they can't handle that plan of attack how can they handle two forwards and three defensemen so yeah. if there is an edge to be bound if there is a loophole i think there is going to be at least one coach that exploits that and say screw it let's try it why not Right, yeah, it's funny you say that, because I was thinking, like, I feel like, reversely, it would be funny to have, like, the devils, like, see the devils do this, because, like, you know, like, they they don't really, yeah, they don't really have, yeah, well, they don't, I mean, I guess they have P.K. Subban, and Jack Hughes has been getting better, but, like, (laughs) their forwards are notoriously not great at defense, and they're, you know, their defense isn't really great at scoring, uh, so it'd just be like, I don't think it would necessarily work for every team. Like, I guess the same could be said for, like, the Islanders or, like, um, like just the Sabres or something, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, actually, the Sabres may not be too bad. Uh, you have Rasmus Dahlin um, and Ristolainen. That wouldn't be too bad, but anyways... <laughs> they're wild card. They're yeah. wild cards with the normal offense. They yeah, run. yeah, true, true. So yeah, but just and and you do bring up a good point. Like I was thinking of these as like even strength and like something that you would just do uh, for the entire game. But maybe you're right. Maybe they just do it for a power plays or stuff. Um, that could be interesting. Or maybe that's just how they introduce this formation, and then eventually, like if yeah. it starts to work, then they start to bring it out to the even strength um, and see if it works there. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I would applaud any team that tries this. It may not be the Leafs because it seems like Sheldon Keefe has backtracked a little bit, but even still, it would be kind of cool if, if a team could do this. Or even have, like, five yeah, forwards. Be that would be nuts. Yeah. It would be revolutionary yeah. because no one's really thinking of the game like this, and everyone just yeah. looks at a forward and, like, well, what's a forward? Everyone right. looks at a right-handed defenseman. Well, what's a right-handed defenseman, right? Yeah. Like, the amount of defensemen that future defensemen that could benefit from this that that could have lengthy NHL careers with this kind of system right. or uh, the amount of people changing uh, positions because their their skills could be more suited as a defense than it could be as a forward yep. uh, this this could change the game of hockey as we know it if it really pops off of course so we won't know the answer to that but it'll be interesting if if there's a team that really takes the ball and runs with it yeah. because once one team learns how to play a certain way everyone's gonna try and figure out that formula to be to be the best or to beat the best and like, right. like the Detroit Red Wings the style of game that they played um in like the late 90s early 2000s when they had that dynasty um, and like the way Tampa Bay utilized Martin St. Louis and play players like him, uh, that influenced a movement where like small skilled forwards yep. are the name of the game. Good point. And that's what everyone's focusing on is puck po- possession drivers. They don't have to be six feet tall yep. as long as they can put the puck in the net and set up goals. Who cares? True. So that that's pretty interesting because we haven't really seen like a scheme that has really changed the game of hockey as we see it. We've seen players change the game, 
but an actual full-on scheme. We haven't probably seen it since the Devil's Trap game. Yeah, I was about to say, I think the the trap, the Devils with their trap has probably been the closest that we've ever seen from, like, actual change in, in hockey in terms of strategy. So that'd be cool. And, yeah, I think, like, even if, like, I guess this would be even more revolutionary, but, like, even if you have, like, five forwards, like, maybe... Um, like, even if a team does that, that would be kind of cool, too. Like, still, like, you could have, like, teams that just have a ton of good forwards, like the Lightning or something, you could, like, take advantage of that. Although, I guess you wouldn't have Victor Hedman there. But, like, maybe Victor Hedman could count as a forward, too. It's like you're kind of changing the whole notion of what is a forward and what is a defenseman. So, yeah. Um, so that actually brings me to the this... This whole thing reminded me of a tweet that I saw in September, and I'm pulling this up now. Um, so this is from Reese Jepsup. I guess he has, like, he's a reporter in uh, Vancouver. Um, but I don't know. I think he might be a Leafs fan. But anyways, um, so it was just a, there was an article in The Athletic about young defensemen taking over the playoffs. And then Reese Jepsup, like quote tweeted this and says sometimes I'll watch a 6'3 kid playing D and be like that kid's a RW a right winger but since he's big he's just been played on defenseman his whole life and sometimes I watch a 5'10 forward like he does really well when the game is in front of him but sometimes was someone was afraid of a short kid on the blue line so then he goes on to say is anyways I think Quinn Hughes is what happens when Mitch Marner learns gap control. And then he proceeds to say that Marner is actually a defenseman. Um, and uh, and then it blew up hockey Twitter, because then you have like all these replies from Dom Lucisians, uh, Cam Robinson, who we've mentioned before, um, Mika McCurdy, who are all like, oh, this would actually be interesting to see. So I wonder if maybe like Sheldon Keith or someone on the Leafs crew is like, looking at this when it happened, they're like, "Oh, maybe we should try Marner on as a defenseman or something," and like they d- decided to actually experiment with it or were thinking about it. So, anyways, that got us that got me thinking about players that we think could transition from forwards to defensemen or vice versa. Um, I mean, it's kind of already happened before. Bufflin, Dustin Bufflin, um, and Brent Burns are the main two. I'm sure. There's other examples that I'm, I, I'm not thinking about right now, but those have been the most successful, at least, where they both were forwards uh, when they were prospects, but then they moved to defensemen, and then they became <laughs> one of the better defensemen in the league, um, and partly because they were trained as a forward. So, um, so yeah, I think I sort of this kind of goes along with what I talked about before, but um, so I was just thinking of defensive forwards are two-way forwards and then two, uh, like, offensive defensemen. Um, that would be really good. But the question is, what other players do we think could transition? So I'll say Bergeron, Marchand, Stone would be interesting. Um, I've already mentioned that when I was talking about their teams. Couturier, O'Reilly, Jonathan Taze, and Anse Kopitar are other ones as well. I'm sure there's, like, you know, John Gabriel Peugeot is a good def- uh two-way forward as well. Philip Deneau is another one, so um, that would be interesting to see that there. Um, and then, reversely, uh, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, who I've already mentioned. P.K. Subban, I think I've already mentioned, too. That would be interesting. Uh, Roman Yossi um, could be cool. Um, I mean, I know he's more he's more two-way, but I would like to see Roman Yossi on there. Uh, Tori Krug, who I've mentioned. Shea Theodore and John Klingberg, who I've also already mentioned too. But um, yeah, that's kind of my list of just like like basically Selkie winners and or Selkie nominees and any like offensive defensemen who have like more than 50 points um, I would like to see or would benefit from this a lot. It, would, it could actually um, re-bounce um, like like Subban and Carlson and Burns could probably resurrect their career again um, if, if they did this again. Yeah, that, that is an interesting point. When, when I think of um, forwards transitioning to defense, I'm thinking, okay, 
first off, they need to be good at the two-way game. I totally get that because the thing with offensive defensemen is turnovers. Right. Um, Their turnover rates aren't often that good because they're puck possession defensemen. They skate up the ice. They try to create something. When you try to do that as often as Eric Carlson does, you're bound to have a few giveaways from time to time. It's just the way he plays. It's the risk associated with playing that game. The thing with Mark, someone with Mark Stone's capabilities, he's a monster at takeaways. He's great at puck battles. He works hard. If you're if you're a defenseman, odds are you're like at the point getting set for a shot. So if if I'm looking for a defenseman again, what do I want the defenseman to do? Do I need a hard quick shot from the blue line, or do I need someone to quickly get the puck to somebody else? Right. So if Mark Stone does those things, great. But do I want to sacrifice the puck battles, forcing takeaways to create offense? I'm not so sure about that. And it's the same with good two-way centers like Anse Kopitar or Patrice Bergeron. They're very, very good at winning faceoffs. That's their job. Do I really want to put my number one center on the back end? That's the tough call. So if if I am in a situation where I'm making that call, if I'm moving a forward to defense, I am focused on wingers only. Because right. they're very good at winning faceoffs, I don't want to take away that successful part of the faceoff department and put them on a service that they're not yeah. required to win faceoffs. They're just taking shots from the point and trying to create offense other ways. Yeah. So that would probably be my thing. If a forward goes to defense, has to be a winger, can't be right. a center. Yeah, that's a um, good point. And the other thing is, if I move the forward to the back end. If the rewards outweigh the risks of doing that, if the level of play of like the rest of the team isn't being affected by that, then fine. Which is why, to your argument, Mitch Marner is a puck possession guy. He creates plays. He can score goals, but he more or less creates plays for other guys. And he's sometimes prone to giveaways. He's working on the two-way side of his game, which is good. Um, And if you were to move him to the back end, would your offensive game suffer? I don't think it really would because you have guys like Matthews and Tavares that can create offense some other way. So to your point about Mitch Marner, I can maybe see him moving over to defense, but the only way I see someone moving from forward to defense is if, again, as I've said a couple of times already, if the if it's not taking away from the other parts of the game that my team's good at that could be worse off at and much worse off at if he's not there playing that usual position which i think will also basically right off the bat limit the amount of people that are going to be going from forward to defense because their coach is thinking well if i do this then there are a lot of holes that i have to address if if i make this move which probably most coaches when when they're faced with that situation uh, they won't take their chances they're gonna go with the safe route they're gonna go with the guys that play a certain way they like how they play and they're more suited for this position than any other position so um it depends the pros and cons what you gain what you lose by putting someone from forward to the back end so. yeah you do bring up a good point that i guess like for some like taking someone like patrice bergeron where face-offs are a big reason why he's so good at the two-way play so i would imagine that if there is like three defensemen like maybe you have bergeron take face-offs and then you just put it like you just put him back in the back end of things eventually um other than like during face-offs, like every other time, except for face-offs, you make him into a defenseman, but other times you don't. So I don't know. I think that could be something interesting to do, for sure. Um, Or I guess that lends more credence to having five forwards at once. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, to your point about forwards to defense, you're right that Bufflin and Burns are the biggest success stories, but I have noticed in the past that Brendan Smith, who is a natural defenseman, has played some time as a forward on the Rangers' fourth line. I've also noticed Mark Pissick, who is generally a defenseman. uh, He played a bit of forward in the bottom six for Florida as well. Um, But 
did they have Brent Burns, Dustin Bufflin success? Mm, no. That would be a stretch. So yeah. the the big poster boys for success are still Bufflin and Burns. Of course, yeah, yeah. That is a good, I forgot about Brendan Smith, but yeah, that would be a good example of the reverse. Yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of people have forgotten about yeah, Brendan yeah. Smith, unfortunately. Right, 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 right. The, the reverse Brent Burns, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there will eventually be like a defenseman converted forward that will be more successful than Brendan Smith, but who knows. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that about does it for us here. Um, and again, we're going to see you guys in two weeks um so enjoy your thanksgiving for all my americans who are listening um that about does it for us uh you can catch us on soundcloud itunes um and spotify at lace them up our facebook is lace them up our twitter is lace up podcasts probably i would rather you go to our twitter instead of our facebook because i think we update it more um and that's about it uh see you in two weeks i'm brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Elsrup. We'll talk again in two weeks. Episode 247 of the Lace Up Podcast.